Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr. Thank you so much for listening in while we talk about the art and culture of running an indie record label. Today is another episode in our little mini-series that we do every couple of episodes called Industry Insiders, where we take a break from talking with record labels and we talk with a company or a service that serves record labels. And today we're talking with Jason, who's the founder of... Sorry, I should get his last name. I think it's Grishkoff. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I think that's his last name. I don't have it in front of me now. He's the founder of Submit Hub. You might be unfamiliar with Submit Hub, and if so, it's great that you're listening to today's episode. Please visit our website where we've got some um, free resources for folks who are in the process of starting a record label or who have already started a record label. Go to otherrecordlabels.com to find those resources there. Submit Hub is interesting, and, and, and remember, I, I've said this before, and I want to say it again, when it comes to these Industry Insider episodes, none of these are sponsored episodes. Like, I haven't been um, paid big bucks, although I would take those big bucks, but I haven't been paid big bucks to do episodes like this. These are services that I find helpful in helping me promote music and discover new artists. Um, and it's the same with the pressing plant we did, and and uh, and the playlist curators that we talked to, and, and CD baby there are people here that that have helped me that i find interesting and and i want to hear their story and how the company started and so submit hub is one of these companies that uh, an artist actually on our label um about four or five years ago um reached out to me and, and asked me if we could use submit hub to help promote his record and i hadn't heard of submit hub and basically what it is is this and we go really deep into it um but it's this uh website where a lot of uh blogs music blogs and influencers and curators all have these uh profiles and artists can and labels on behalf of artists can submit uh, music to these uh, blogs for their consideration and, and and the artists pay a little bit of money and the blogs get money for listening to the music. It's not like payola in the sense, but really it's kind of like acknowledging their time and kind of weeding out who's serious about this. And it's a really cool service and, and, and there's two sides of the coin for labels. And that's what I, I think is really important in this episode when we, go, we get into it. But on one hand, it's a great site for labels to promote their releases. So you can take a single and you can submit it um, asking blogs for a premiere or asking curator, uh, cur curators to um, consider it for their playlist. So it's a great tool to use as labels to um, submit their releases uh, to, to get press if, if you are doing your own publicity. Uh, the other side of the coin that I find really interesting is it's also a great place to discover new artists. A label can go and create their own account on SubmitHub and accept submissions, and you pick the genres and, and you, you enter a little bit about your label, and you accept submissions from artists who are looking to find a label home, and it's a great way to find people in your area or to find people... Uh, uh, all across the globe, um, and and to discover new artists. So it is a really cool platform. Um, you know, there are some ups and downs with it. Uh, there, there's some. You know, we've talked. I've seen a lot of comments about some of the uh, irrelevant criticism that you get, and we get into that in deep in this episode. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking. I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, and one other thing. Stay tuned until the end of this episode for a little treat, a little freebie for you guys. Can you explain to our listeners exactly what submit? I'm first of all, I want to say thanks for doing this. I'm really excited. I I enjoy Submit Hub. I think it's a great thing. An artist of mine 
uh, put me onto it back in 2015, I think. And that's when it started. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. November of 2015. So if you were that early on, you were like, well, okay. So you know what? That the artist had a record out in October, or no, no, the first of November or around first week of November in 2015. And then he would have put me onto it after the record came out. So, um, like when we were doing some like extra promotion, so it would have been maybe December or January of 2016, but that's pretty cool. I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah. You, I mean, you must've been right on it. So then you saw it in its very early phases when, um, a lot of the kinks were being ironed out and, and there probably weren't that many people on there, like the 20 or 30 different blogs. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking now, so we're four. Almost, you're, you'll be coming up on a four-year anniversary then. We passed it at the end of last year. So now oh. it's well, four years. Oh, we're already 2015. Yes, yeah, sorry, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so f- five years, even more significant. Okay, yeah. can, can you explain to our listeners exactly what Submit Hub is? Because I'm sure there are some who haven't used the service yet or, or haven't heard of it. Right, so Submit Hub was a platform that was born of a frustration that I had as a music blogger. Hmm. So back in 2015, music blogs were still pretty hot. And one of the side effects of that was that my inbox was completely unmanageable. And I had something like 300 emails a day coming in. And what I was doing was I was just siphoning those off and ignoring them. And I always knew in the back of my head, there must be a better way to handle that. Hmm. So the intent of Submit Hub was to try and Tackle the main problem with those submissions was which was inconsistency. Like someone would send a YouTube song, the other person would have, a, have an MP3 attached, then yes. this one's got a SoundCloud link. Someone else has like a password Vimeo. One person's <laughs> got a you know like a book attached, the other one's just a <laughs> sentence. And so part of Submit Hub's original intent was to create a consistent feed for me to listen to that music. So the very first iteration of Submit Hub was basically a form that people could fill out that had artist name, song title, paste the link to your song here, and, and there were restrictions on the sources you could use. You, know, you could only use SoundCloud or YouTube at the time. Wow. And what that meant was that at the end of the day, when a song showed up in my feed, I could use the coding knowledge that I'd picked up from my, my blog, Indie Shuffle, to make everything consistent and easy to listen to. And then I just tacked on a thumb up button and a thumb down button, and I hooked up some email responders. So it meant that if I hit thumb down, they got an email saying, Hey, Jason from Indie Shuffle did listen to your song, but unfortunately, it's not going to work out this time. And if I hit thumb up, then it would send an email along the lines of, Yeah, I want to blog your song. Let's, let's chat. Let's, let's do it. Oh my gosh. And, um, That's genius. So that, was the, that was the end of 2015. And that was just, it was just to simplify the communication, was really the point. And it was just and for you, right? At the time. It was initially just for Indie Shuffle, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that while coding it. So it took me three months to code. Uh-huh. Uh, I was definitely anticipating that other people would use it as well. Right. So as soon as I started to trial it with Indie Shuffle, I reached out to a few close blogging friends of mine to see if they wanted to test it out too. And I'm, Most of them were hype machine blogs. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly who was on there at the beginning, but... Uh, within a couple of weeks, there were three or four of us using it for our submissions. And then I just went hard. I sat down <laughs> and I pumped out like over a thousand emails. I pretty much contacted every single hype machine blog that I could. And um, unsurprisingly, almost none of them responded, which was 
<laughs> which was in a way the ultimate irony right? now I'm you know how it feels guys. <laughs> yeah I, so i'm i'm contacting these guys going hey i know you don't check your emails anymore because you're overwhelmed yeah but what if i have a solution for you and then crickets right right but i i think i got about five percent of them to respond and once they signed up and started using it they were quickly hooked um and because i was so active and on it and and coding as soon as one of them would have a request for a new feature, I would pretty much have it out the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, this was clearly before I had kids. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so things accelerated quite quickly towards the end of you know end of 2015, early 2016, and we had this really nice, efficient communication tool for musicians to contact blogs. And so the problem we were solving. Was, was on both sides. It, we were solving our own problem, which is that we were overwhelmed by submissions and couldn't get through them. And we were solving a problem that the artists were facing, which was that they couldn't contact any of us because we were all ignoring them. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of the origin of, of SubmitHub. And if you flash forward to today, it was about four and a half years later, that core principle still remains the same. Um, to me, SubmitHub is an efficient tool for connecting with and communicating with music curators, be they bloggers, Spotify playlists, YouTube channels, etc., um, and and from there the whole can of worms opens because it it has become more than that, and and a lot of people get caught up on. Um, I mean, they're coming to the site looking for success, mm-hmm. but they're also facing tons of rejection when Absolutely. they use the site, and yeah. and so. Um, I know there was one of your podcasts that you had done earlier where you were talking about um, learning how to take criticism. And I, I think SubmitHub, in a way, is a really good way to practice that, right? <laughs> yes, I've been and there. You're putting your music in front of strangers who really don't care about you. They don't care about the process that went into the song. And they're just going to they're gonna give you their opinion straight up and they're going to move on to the next song. And so... It's kind of an interesting way to just crash right into that yeah. criticism, take it, and hopefully find your niche along yeah. the way. We're going to get into that. I, 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 that's such an interesting part of the whole thing for me. I, I love the platform. So let me just kind of recap. So basically, um, and 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 I'm aware of. I log in. I try to log in a lot, but um, I've seen the platform evolve, and I've seen you active on there and and uh, responding to people's requests. And every time I maybe if I take like a month away and then I come back, there's a whole new feature or a whole new uh, set of genres that are now included. Um, uh, do you have, so basically let's, let's just kind of recap for the listener uh, who isn't familiar with the platform, but so for the artist standpoint or a label representing an artist, we would go and create an account. We would, um, upload, create an artist profile with a picture and, and social media links in a bio. And we would include a, a link like a, a SoundCloud or YouTube. And I know there's others now. Um, and, and then we would go into this um, submission process where you select your genre or your subgenre or your sub, sub, subgenre, and then you select the type of people you want to reach. So if you want to reach YouTubers or if you want to reach you know, blogs or, or playlist curators. And then you click on all the ones there's a fee and and I'll I'll ask you to break down the fee structure, um, that the artist or, or the label representing an artist would pay. And then, um, you submit 
to all these people. And now these people, these blogs and curators are responsible to listen to uh, a certain amount of time. I, I, what is it, like 30 seconds or tw- 20 like 20 seconds is the minimum. Right, the minimum. But you'll actually find that most of them listen for two minutes on average. Wow, that's great. And then they have to, they do have to write, um, if you ask them to, they do have to write some sort of rejection note uh, to give you some sort of feedback that in order for them to get paid. Um, and then you're emailed a summary whether or not um, how your campaign did, how many people accepted you, and if if you were accepted by a blogger or a curator, then you op- it opens up a dialogue with that, very much like the the original platform, opens up a dialogue with that blog over that successful submission, and you guys work out um, some sort of coverage or however that works. So did I get that whole process right? That was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, All right, so, see you next time. Okay, so let so um, the the fee structure and and uh, I want to get into the whole f- philosophies behind this platform. I really do think it's very fascinating, and I know a lot of my peers and and people in the industry are fascinated and are blessed by this platform. But um, just real quickly, I, I we do have to inform people on how it works. But the, can you tell me a little bit about the fee structure on the side of the artists and on the side of the blogs? Sure. So I think when we're discussing the fee structure, it's actually interesting to flash back to uh, the beginning of 2016 when it was first introduced. So the website originally rolled out, it was completely free, but there was a limit on how many submissions you could send in any given time period. Okay. So that was to sort of cut back on on spam and overwhelming the blog. Otherwise it was too easy. You just log on, choose everyone and submit. So by putting a limit of two submissions every four hours in place, the idea was to force people to think about who they were sending to. Sure. And I actually had a little rule at the time that publicists and labels could send to ten people. So that was uh, oh, okay. a, a, you know, like a, a little benefit that they got. That's um, nice. So the original version was just thumb up, thumb down. That was the decision. And what happened was that a lot of artists came back and asked, well, why? Why is my song getting rejected? And I sort of said, well, if you pay me a dollar, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it turns out that that, that simple pricing system at, at sort of a low rate relative to what people were paying publicists sure. ended up being the secret source behind Submit Hub because it's accessible for artists, but from the curator's side, it also incentivizes them to actually log in every day and keep slogging through all of these submissions because, believe me, it gets tiring, right? After four and a half years of doing you know, 50, 60 submissions a day, you get burnt out. Yeah. And that, that monetary carrot on the stick, if you will, is what incentivizes people. So if you choose to use one of these premium credits, which cost roughly a dollar, they cost less if you buy them in bulk, you get three guarantees. So the first guarantee is that you'll have a response within 48 hours, which was, at the time, pretty revolutionary. Yeah, that's right. The, the second thing is that it would guarantee that the curators listen for at least 20 seconds, which I think... Initially, it was met with some skepticism from submitters who wondered whether 20 seconds was even enough. Mm. And it is. It really it is. is. Um, yeah, you're right. Because as a yeah. music fan, I only need five seconds. Right. So 20 seconds sometimes is a pain. And um, <laughs> the thing is, you can tell in the first five seconds if you want to listen to the next five seconds. Yes, that's And that's you can totally tell right. when you really don't want to. Totally. And what, what we find looking at the data on SubmitHub, which is... 
accessible to anyone, even without an account. If you just go to submithub.com slash listens, hmm. you'll see a list of every active curator on the site and their average listening time for premium submissions. And on average, it's close to two minutes. There are very few curators who consistently listen for 30 seconds. Wow. Most of them are hanging around the one and a half minutes to three minutes range. So that 20 second limit in some senses is arbitrary. And I would actually say that if you're an artist and you find in your data that everyone's declining after 20 seconds, it's a really bad sign. Yes, that's true. Um, that's true. Yeah, we yeah. shouldn't, as artists, we shouldn't listen to data too much, but sometimes it, it can tell us some, some hard truth. <laughs> Yeah, so, so that was the second guarantee you get, is that they're going to listen for at least 20 seconds. And the third one was that if it is a no, which the majority of time it is, actually 90% of the time it's a no, Sure. the curator needs to explain themselves. And from my side, the way I present this to curators is that they're trying to accomplish two things with their feedback. The first thing is to let the submitter know that you listen to their song. So say something specific about it, doesn't have to be a critique, compliment, whatever, but it has to be something specific about their song. And the second part of your feedback should generally hit on why it's not a good fit for you, rather than just saying, hey, thanks for sending the song, it's not a good fit for me, you would want to say something along the lines of, well, I really enjoyed the guitar solo at the one and a half minute mark, but this felt a little bit too classic for us. Yeah, sure. Well, so in my mind, what you're accomplishing there is you are conveying to the artist that you listened and you're giving them something that they might be able to work with. Yeah. But this, this feedback is actually sort of the most contentious part of Submit Hub because these curators are real people and no matter what I tell them to do, they're going to put their own spin on their feedback, write it with their own personality behind it. Some of them care, some of them don't care. Um, yeah, and, and I and, want I want to you get a mixed bag. Yeah, and I want to talk about the feedback. It's such an interesting part of it. But I um, I'm curious, was there a lot of policing on your part in the early stages, and is there still policing today, where you know blogs are not being very kind, or they're maybe misusing the service, or vice versa, the artists are are not using the service properly? Full time job, Scott. Full time job. Really. Um, so there are three of us working on Submit Hub. Myself, I do all of the code and customer support. Dylan, who does all of the um, uh, onboarding of new applicants. So we get about 50 applications per day from curators. Wow. So he sifts through all of those to see if there's value for the artists. Right, and yeah. I think we add about five or 10 of them a day. Hmm. Um, but his job is also to police these people. So... We're looking for a lot of different signals here. Some of it we are doing automatically. Okay. Some of it we're crowdsourcing from the users so people can rate the feedback they get. They can report issues they have. And some of it um, we're just, you know, we're, we're constantly keeping an eye out so for all sorts of troublemakers because, like it or not, they're out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether it's people who are botting their playlists to inflate their stats. Or people who are trying to sneak three or four different channels onto Submit Hub that they all actually own. Sure. Um, there's all sorts of things we have to keep an eye out for. Because you could actually make a, a decent amount of money automated in, in an automated way, right? <laughs> if you game the system. On Submit Hub, well, hypothetically, but you, I don't think you can. I mean, I'm okay. the one who coded this. Right. And, okay. I was, okay. Uh, yeah. You, you can't. 
paste into the Yes, that box. happened to me the other day. I, I, I copied what I had written so that I could reload the browser because something was, I don't know what, what, what was happening, but I had to reload and I, I tried to paste what I had written, not what I had written from a previous thing, but and it wouldn't let me paste. I guess that's a good no thing. No pasting allowed. Good for that's you. That's the first step in, in preventing copy-pasted yes. feedback. Yeah. But there's actually some additional checks that go on. It, it does save a draft. So if oh. you had refreshed without cutting. Oh, thank you. So if you've just done a copy-paste and you refresh, it'll still be there. It saves a draft for you. Um, but if you cut, then it saves the blank. And right. so you're back to square one. Um, there's also some additional checks that go on uh, that are looking at string similarity. So I'm comparing the feedback that you're writing now to the last X amount of feedbacks that you have written. And I'm running a fancy script in the background to try and identify strings that are too similar. Oh. So that's catching out people who are sort of saying the stuff over and over. And then what happens is that triggers something in our system, which goes to a big dashboard that Dylan and I monitor where we are able to give tips to people on how to improve their feedback. That's incredible. So the policing is, is pretty intense, and we're actually uh, bringing in our fourth full-time employee at the start of May. That's and amazing. she's going to be helping quite a lot with our, our policing because it's, uh, it's, it's become a, you know, there's, there's more than, I think there's 1,100 curators on the site now. Wow. So a, a lot of what we do is automated, but a, again, we want to make sure that Ultimately, what we're doing is, is selfish because we're trying to make sure that SubmitHub is quality and doesn't slip into that sort of scammy realm that a lot yes. of other promo services do. Oh, sure. And, and nothing bites me more than when someone calls out SubmitHub for bad behavior. Yeah. Because it happens, right? So-and-so has given me copy-pasted feedback. And you know, yeah. I go, well, look, A, that's impossible, but B, let me look into it. And then you see, <laughs> oh, oh man, they're just... They are basically writing the same thing over and over. And yeah. then I get upset because it's like, dude, you made me look bad. I've, That's I've right. I've yeah. four and a half years and they're trying to make this look good. And we've got a, a pretty no-nonsense policy as far as kicking curators off, um, mm -hmm. especially around payola. Holy mackerel. Oh, really? If we ever encounter that, it's a zero tolerance thing. If you ask anyone to pay you money for your coverage, yeah, it's you're out. Plus, plus we're gonna tell our contacts at Spotify and get all of your stuff removed. Right, so, and we've been we've been very successful with that. So, um, what? Long story short, policing. Yes, yeah, man, I, I figured. Like, I figured. Uh, what I really intense. love about when we talk about the going back to the monetary fee structure, what I really love about this service is that bloggers are getting paid, and I'm always grateful for bloggers who offer premieres or reviews that in theory can generate us plays and sales for artists and labels, but they are always the ones in the equation that don't get paid for their work. So that's one of the things I loved about SubmitHub is seeing them get paid. And so I want to ask you if this is something you've been hearing from blogs. I mean, I can't imagine they're making a living off of submissions, but it must help in some ways. So blogs used to make money off advertising, and I don't think anyone on the internet industry, well, not, not publishers, not blogs, uh, across the whole industry are making any money anymore. Mm. Uh, for Indie Shuffle, I think we're making 5 to $10 a day from still 10,000 uniques. And um, wow. it's abysmal. So yeah. SubmitHub, for many of these guys, is actually the first time they've made any money with their blog. And 
It, I guess it depends on where you live. So there's a really international base of people using SubmitHub, and most of the curators on there are earning, I would say, $200 to $500 per month. So wow. if you're living in New York or San Francisco or LA, that budget might help you buy a couple coffees every month, right? <laughs> but if you're living in India, and we actually have some, some curators from India, I know of one guy who is supporting his entire family with that $300 a month. Wow. So he's able to support himself and pay for his parents and all of that. Wow. Um, Incredible. The other interesting thing, uh, we're, we're very unique circumstances right now where everyone's stuck at home. And a lot of individuals in the music industry work service jobs. And so they are out of work right now. And I think this applies on, on both sides. This is you know musicians, but also these curators. A lot of these guys wish they could curate full time. So they try to do it for three or four hours a day, and then they go work at a bar or at a coffee or some service industry job. Yeah. And so it's been cool to see that over the last few weeks, we've gotten quite a few messages from bloggers, curators, playlisters, whatever, who have actually been falling back on their earnings through SubmitHub right. to keep themselves afloat. Right, that's amazing. And, um, right, that's amazing. And then amazing. the other thing we did uh, uh, about two weeks ago was I, I basically just put a 19% discount on all the packages. And um, what that has meant is that there's a lot more in terms of submissions, hmm. which has boosted the amount of earnings that curators can have. So in a way, it was a win-win. So it's, it's easier for artists who don't have as much money, and it's also a higher volume of submissions for curators who are, in some cases, in need of money. Um, but not just in need of money, they've also got all this excess time to listen to and curate music. So, man, these have been a busy couple of weeks for us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good to hear that you're finding ways to kind of, you know, as we record this, we're in the middle of the coronavirus lockdown. Um, but uh, that's amazing that you're not only helping people in this time, but finding ways to for your business to keep going. That's awesome. Let me, uh, I want to ask you, I've used this platform as an indie record label and that's our audience are primarily uh, record label owners and, and uh, enthusiasts at the very least. But um, I, I've used it to promote my artists and, and uh, releases and to pitch them to blogs and primarily playlisters now. But um, I've also used the platform for receiving submissions and, and discovering new artists. How have you seen the platform work for labels? Interesting question. So the way we position the label aspect of SubmitHub is that it's about opening conversations with labels. If you are an artist and, and you're using SubmitHub to send to these guys, your expectation should not be that you're going to come out of it signing a deal. But really, it's a great opportunity for you to connect with industry professionals that might be able to help you with a specific task that you're looking for assistance with. So this could be booking shows, releasing a single, trying to get sync deals with Netflix yeah. or whatever. You'll find that a lot of people running indie label these, these days are not sitting on a stock of cash, right? They don't have money to say, here's a $100,000 yeah. upfront up fee, go have fun recording your album. But they have a lot of expertise. And the hmm. way I like to look at the label side for artists is that it's almost like trying to find a business partner who's going to help you run the business side so that you can focus on the music. Mm. So your music is your product. And for many musicians in 2020, 
you have to be able to be a jack of all trades, right? So not only do you have to come up with songs, record them, make them sound good and all of that, but you also need to know how to release that song and promote that song and do all of that stuff. And I think for some artists, they would much rather focus on their craft, which is making music. And for me, finding a label in 2020 is a lot about finding a partner who can help you through those problems. So the idea behind Submit Hub for Labels is that it's an opportunity for you to contact people within your genre, from your country, because you can filter down by location yeah. and that type of stuff, who you can have conversations with and hopefully work with. And so I would, I would say that if an artist comes into it expecting to get a huge record deal, their expectations are going to be dashed. Um, and, and actually, you know, interestingly, Submit Hub's label side is approximately 2% of the submissions at this point. Wow. Like, Tiny, right? Right, right. I see. So people but aren't But it's much really, more targeted too, yeah. right? When you submit to curators, you're often submitting to 40, 50, 60 of them. Yes. When you're submitting to labels, if you're an artist looking for a label, um, and many artists today are not looking for labels, yeah. but if you are one, you're going to be a lot more targeted. You're going to try yes. to find three or four that you like similar artists, you like their vibe, you want to have a chat with them. Yeah, and I've seen some some artists not doing it properly and sending you know massive submissions, and the genre is nothing like what we do, and you know they're they're definitely not reading the instructions properly. But the ones that do are localized, and the genre is right. And and you're right. I think that's really what's come of it. I mean, I I did actually meet for coffee in person with someone locally who contacted me through Submit Hub one time. And so I, I, I've never thought of it that way, but yeah, the localized thing, the geographic component, and then the genre component is a great way to meet new artists. Yeah, I would agree. I've um, always, you know, you, you bring up an interesting point about, about having to put in the legwork. And um, there's, there's a, a competitor to Submit Hub called Playlist Push, which naturally I've got many opinions about. But <laughs> uh, George, their CEO, actually wrote an article totally unbiased. Uh, comparing Submit Hub to Playlist Push. And his takeaway, much to my surprise, wasn't actually knocking down Submit Hub. The way he positioned it was that if you want someone to hold your hand and take care of your submissions for you and do all of that, go with Playlist Push. If you want to put in the effort and do the research yourself and figure out who you want to send to, use Submit Hub. Hmm. And I think that is actually an important distinction what we're doing with Submit Hub is we are making the communication easy and we're essentially giving you a directory of people that you can contact. But it's up to you to take the information that we've provided and make a decision about whether they are worth sending to or not. So Submit Hub does require a bit more attention to what you're doing. Yes, right. Yeah, looking at the numbers and the stats of what they previously have approved. Yeah, and if you see someone with a 2% approval rate, don't get your hopes up, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that means yeah. that there's a 98% chance you're going to get rejected. So ultimately, the, the power is in the hands of the submitter in terms of who they want to send to. And, mm. and it's my job on, um, as the developer of this platform to make sure that I'm providing as much information as I can to transparently inform that decision. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's a, that's a good point. Um, oh, so... I know a lot of artists um, who use this platform, but I've heard a lot of them, and we've kind of touched on this in the beginning, um, 
of how it can be pretty discouraging process with a, a dozen or more declines before an approval comes along. I've experienced this. Um, I've gotten in the habit of not re- um, reading any of the, I don't log in to read any of the critiques because I just do not want to see them. But how do you handle artists just getting so discouraged that they no longer want to pay people to criticize them? Oh, okay. So uh, a gentleman by the name of Ari Hurstand, who you interviewed not too long ago, Oh no, I, I haven't had a interviewed similar him. Situation. I haven't. You interviewed. haven't. I would love to. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, you haven't. You haven't. <laughs> um, do you know Ari? No, I'm sure I don't. Be happy to interview. No, I don't. I, yeah, I should give him a call. Yeah, he's a he's a good guy, and I think he's always happy to talk. But he wrote an article uh, not long ago about SubmitHub, and actually, it was long ago. It was two and a half years ago. Never mind. It was a long time ago. Uh, but his big qualm was with the. Um, the, the feedback, yes, right? Yes. He's an established artist. He knows what he's doing. He goes in here, he sends out his song. He got some positive results from it. He also had some negative results. But one of his takeaways was that the feedback was a total waste of his time and he didn't appreciate a blogger who really has no technical background or understanding telling him how he should fix his song, yeah. which is already finished. Yeah, right? I agree. And I think a lot of people have that concern. And so Ari said, you know, what Cement Hub needs is an option to just not have feedback. Do the 90 seconds, no listen. Yeah. <laughs> and so I ended up, after much kicking and fussing, coding that. And, and I guess the reason I kicked and fussed was because in my mind, the feedback was a way to demonstrate that the curator had actually listened. Yes. And I had never actually intended the feedback to be sort of a constructive feedback loop. Right. But, you know, it is what happened. And so in my mind, I thought, you know, if you uh, trust me, or if you do this like no feedback and 90 seconds, I don't think it's going to be good. So I rolled it out, and after six months of collecting data, I noticed an interesting trend, which was that even though they were all premium submissions, the 90-second no-feedback option had a 5% approval rate. Hmm. The standard totally free submissions had a 4% approval rate, and the submissions that have feedback had a 12% approval wow. rate. Wow. So More than double. If Yeah, and so I set about trying to figure out what's going on here. Um, And I think I've sort of settled on what the answer is, and I looked at my own behavior to come to that. And we've chatted about it amongst the bloggers, but ultimately it's because with the 90-second submissions, you're giving the curator a lot of time to get distracted. And with the feedback submissions, you're forcing them to stay focused and on target, right? Yes. So if I am a curator, I start listening to your song. What I often do is I just open up the prompt to start typing my feedback. I right. want to do that as I listen to the song. It's almost like live tweeting, yes. if you will. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm channeling my thoughts as I listen. And oftentimes I will f- decide halfway through, I really like this song, you know, and then just yeah. switch it over to approved. Yeah. If I now open up your song, hit play, and I, I open this prompt to start typing my feedback, and it says, hey, they don't want feedback, they just want a 90-second submission, my inclination is to go, okay, well, hold on, I've got 32 emails I just need to start responding to. It's so just while this plays in, in the, the background, background. Yeah, totally. Right? And then next thing you know, the song's over, it's moved on to the next one, I've forgotten what I listened to. Yes, that's it, so fascinating. The focus is not there. So, so the feedback can be annoying, it can be frustrating, especially if you're an established artist and you know what you're doing. But at the end of the day, if you think about it as a way to really force the curator to engage with your song, it's going to be, uh, you're going to 
you're not going to hate it as much. Yeah. Right? Well, one of the things I love about the, um, I, you know, and I've seen on, on, on Twitter and whatnot that the, the biggest issue, the biggest contention that people have with submit hub is the, is the, uh, the critiquing and especially, and it's not about the platform. It's not about the company itself. It's about the curators who are critiquing and the, th- some of the crazy things that they say. And like you said, that it's a finished track. Like I'm sending you a master. I'm not going to go turn down that snare. Like it's done. You know what I mean? So I, I, I totally, that's what I see a lot. But one of the things I like about the platform is how you have, and you can expand on this, but you have um, a lot that goes into rating and critiquing the curators. And so when I open up a curator's profile, I see um, what genres they've approved, what their overall approval rating is, how many fans they have, and not only that, but what kind of engagement they get on their websites and on their uh, on their playlists. And so, and then you have rev- um, star ratings on their feedback. So I, hopefully something like that holding the curators accountable can sort of offset that problem of this weird unsolicited criticism. I think so. So this gets back into the policing that we were talking about where we're trying to automate as much of this as we can. And so the feedback loop from artists where they do rate their experience, whether it's rating their feedback or the actual content that was shared, it's, it's really helpful in sort of flagging people who might not meet expectations. And sure. so as you go through the list of people to submit to, you'll see the feedback that you give actually translates through to their profile. And you'll start to see notes pop up along the lines of tends to give um, lower rated feedback, yes, stuff like that. Or I've this guy that. gives really good feedback. And you'll see these notes pop up and those are directly driven by the user ratings. So that's kind of where that stuff starts to feed through. Um, whether it's rating the feedback or the, the song that was approved. I'm trying to think of a couple other ways that artists can be involved there, but those are the two main feedback loops that we use. So yeah. artists can rate their feedback and they can rate their experience if they have been shared. I know that's what I love about it. And there are the times that I have like some, some curators that I was really invested in. Uh, I've gone in and looked at their feedback and, sometimes I don't need a, cr- a critique on the groove or the tempo or anything, but I love when somebody just says, it's not right for our playlist. I'm looking for something more upbeat, something very, you know what I mean? Like that to me is, is more transparent. It's more applicable. I'm not going to make a change in my music going forward. Um, so I, I think there are some people out there. I think a majority of the people out there are doing a great job at critiquing. I think so, and unfortunately, it, it often ends up being one of those cases where the the, the minority end up sort of uh, causing a lot of issues, right? Because mm, yes. most people here are writing decent feedback, and then what will happen is you'll have an artist who gets 100 pieces of feedback, and rather going, okay, well, you know, 90 of these weren't bad, and, and some of them yeah. were helpful. They're just going to hone in on the one or two that pissed them off, and now submit how blows balls, and yeah. everyone <laughs> yeah, falls yeah. into that camp, and you're going... Well, Duh, man, take a broader picture on this. I'm wondering if there, if you've, if there is a, a solution to the critique in the future, because I mean, there is a significant fault in asking someone for their opinion on your art. I hate when artists ask their spouses for opinions on artwork or, or family matter, members to critique a mix. Like to me, that's not how art should work. So, so the idea of forcing a blog or a curator to articulate why they don't like something that's ultimately subjective. I'm just wondering, is there a solution moving forward 
uh, where the critiquing can become helpful or can evolve? Oh man, it's so tough. I, I don't have a good answer for that question. Um, and, and also implementing some sort of standard there is going to be a little bit difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I look at the variety of feedback that you'll get as one of Submit Hub's strengths in that it represents real people. And, and you can actually tell that your music is being listened to by different sets of ears. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the kind of tropes that I'll often see is people saying, hey, you know, this is clearly bullshit because how could one curator say he loves the vocals and then the other one say they don't like the vocals? Yeah, it's one yeah. or the other. It's like, this is fake. Yeah. And you're going, well, no, that's actually a pretty that's decent reason why it's real. But, <laughs> yeah. but you yeah. know, look, as you point out, things change really quickly on SubmitHub. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for me, a lot of it is, is setting expectations up front, making sure people understand the type of feedback that they're going to get. Yeah. But in two years from now, it's very possible that we'll have a slightly different look at the feedback and the way it works. Um, because, you know, bloggers write good feedback mostly, but now we're letting a lot of Instagram influencers join SubmitHub and that, you know, what, what do they know, right? Sure. How are they going to write this feedback? These True. guys take good photos and have good engagement. Good but point. Good point. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk so about... So things might evolve. I want to talk about that, um, the kind of the evolution of the uh, who's a curator and whatnot. But I want to ask you first... Um, for artists submitting tracks or a label submitting one of their artist songs, are there some best practices that you have seen that have helped an artist's chances of getting approved that you can share? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my number one point is to sort by genre match. When you're on that list of who you should send to, uh-huh. choose your genres and then sort by genre match. Because as you've seen, you get to choose which genres you want to receive if you're a curator. We don't tell you which ones you can or cannot receive. Right. But what we do is we take your data, your behavior, your patterns, and we analyze that and try to determine whether you like that genre or not. So I can quite quickly tell, you know, after about a thousand submissions and maybe 30 or 40 approvals, whether a curator leans more towards hip hop or leans more towards electronic or leans more towards indie rock. And so if you've got a curator, who leans pretty far indie rock, but they've got hip-hop enabled, what that means is they probably don't like hip-hop that much. Yeah. There's been a couple songs they do like, but they don't. And so what I do on SubmitHub is I give them a genre match score. So if you come along and you say, we've got a lo-fi hip-hop track, you put that in and it filters the list down to 200 or 300 curators, each one of them will now have a genre match score. And at the top of the list, you can sort by genre match. Yes, and I've seen that. That is Excellent. by far the best easiest first step that you can take in terms of targeting your list, right? Right. From there, you have a whole bunch of resources at your hands. You can, on the right-hand side, there's a list of options. And under that, you can listen to their recent shares. You can view their recent feedback. You can see where they share, how much engagement those sharing places get. There's like, there's an overwhelming abundance of, of information. I guess this kind of gets to what, you know, George from Playlist Push is pointing out is that, you know, Submit Hub requires some thought, some investment. And if you, the biggest difference in your, your campaign's success is going to come down to how much attention you paid. If you go in there and you just select all and send to 200 people, and yes, there is a select all button. Um, <laughs> if you do that, 
you're asking for trouble, right? You're sort yeah. of um, you're spraying and paying. It's, yeah. it's kind of well, what am I spraying? Spraying and praying. Spray. Like you're playing Counter Strike, right? Yeah. You just <laughs> hold down the trigger and go, and obviously you're going to miss a lot of stuff. Sure. You want to take a, a targeted shot at this. So that's my top tip. Sort by genre match and focus on what the curators are sharing. Um, and, and in line with that, another good idea is to not go all in up front. Like start by sending 10 or 20 submissions. Get a feel for the responses. Get a feel for how Submit Hub works and, and how people are responding to that song and then go from there. Um, a big mistake someone would make is you know coming in buying a hundred credits and and blowing them all in one go without actually yes having taken the time to just take it for a test drive right yeah yeah take it for a test drive that's great that's a great idea that's my top tip no I I like that that's that's really good and and I think uh, you know starting small is is good because I've learned a lot to the point now where I'll go in. And really just sometimes if it's just a single, I'll just target the four people that I really want that I think are actually going to make, you know, and I look, the numbers that I look at, especially for um, Spotify playlists, because, you know, and we've talked about this on the show before, and it's something I'm trying to learn more of, but, uh, you know, getting these third-party playlisters can really have a big impact and they can really have a big impact on whether or not your track gets discovered by editorial, or at least it has felt that way. And so... I've been targeting playlisters, but I, you know, using the platform now for several years, um, I don't want all this disappointment and all this wasted money. Instead, um, I just go after three or four people that I think the, that the song is relevant and that if I were to get that, it could generate a, a few thousand streams from that. Um, and then if they say no, then, oh, well. You know, so I, for me, I've, I've evolved using the platform, but it's taken some time and some practice. I, I think it's a good point, right? You have to practice in yeah, a way. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's like a way more advanced spreadsheet. You know, well, back in it, the day, people used to get a spreadsheet with a bunch of emails, and this is like level, level 100 of that. Yes, that's right. Well, and I think it's so interesting because and we were talking to labels. So we're, people, we're talking to people who are, um, who are into work for, uh, work for this a little bit, as opposed to maybe some DIY artists who don't enjoy this part of self-promotion. But... I, I think it's a great point that you mentioned um, several times of just putting in the work and um, taking your campaign your campaign into your own hands. Um, I, I really like looking at it that way because more and more artists have to do that. And I have a friend who who spent a lot of money at Submit Hub, and he's even made it into the charts, and uh, he's having a lot of success, and he's he's working hard um, for himself, and I think that's what it takes. The other cool thing to that point is that once you've had some success on Cement Hub, you're actually opening up those relationships with the curators. And initially there were some complaints, particularly from publicists, that Cement Hub was very impersonal. Right. And I think it's actually the opposite. It's, it's just difficult because the curators get to pick and choose who they want to be personal with right. now. <laughs> um, but if you do get your song approved and it's the same people, you know, a really good strategy to use is to shoot them a chat through the chat that you already have open from your previous submission. And don't say, hey, check out my song. Instead say, hey, just a heads up, I've sent you another song as a submission using oh, premium nice. credits. nice. That's a good tip. Yeah. yeah, so you're basically saying, I value your time. I've, I've used credits to do it. I'm not going to waste your time right now because if you're reading my chat, it means that you're probably not 
here to listen to yeah. my music. You're yeah. probably listening to music already, right? That's um, a, yeah, that's a really good point. I've actually done that um, with a, a, a huge playlister who, who has been very gracious to us. And I, I've emailed them personally and I sent them the track, but I've also said, I've also submitted it to you through submit up, even though it was a, uh, you know, a very, a high, high cost premium submission, three stars or whatever. And, uh, but I, to me, that was my way of not payola, but it was my way of saying, I respect you. I respect your time. So I'm submitting through that platform, but I'm also sending you an email. So that's great advice. Yeah. And, and I think the trick there, I mean, as one of the, the blogs on here is to not try to pitch me right then. Yeah. Just say, Hey, heads up. I sent you a song. And what I'll actually often do is I'll just go straight to my queue and I'll f- save your song for later without nice. hitting play because I'm, I'm usually in the midst of something yeah. else. I'll just save it so that I can give it some extra attention next time. Right. So that's a, that's a really good strategy to use. And, and it gets to the point of the fact that Submit Hub actually does allow you to, to build these relationships and, and maintain them. Okay, so as we've been talking, you know, originally it was about blogs and blogs and because of streaming or for whatever reason, blogs have been evolving and the need for blogs have been evolving. Um, so I want to ask you about um, the new kind of the new people out there. I've noticed that the places that you can submit to on submit hub has increased. I, uh, I've used the, the platform, like I said, primarily for submitting to playlisters. That's where I feel like I get the best return. Um, but um, now I see more people you can submit to things like streamers, uh, Twitch influencers. I'm getting a bit too old to even understand this. So can you tell me about these different types of influencers and, and how do I know if I should be submitting to them? Right. Okay. Well, I mean, it started with blogs, as you point out, and, and blogs have been sort of dwindling in influence, but I think there's still a, val- a, a lot of value to be had from them. Sure. Yeah, even absolutely. Even if it's just quotes. Um, they're, they're great for quotes. Even when you get declined, actually, you can use the quotes from your declines. In your <laughs> I don't think I should do that. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. But I mean, it, it can be useful, right? Um, that's cool. Anyway, no, that's good to know. <laughs> um, so, so some of the things we added early on were YouTube and SoundCloud channels. Um, today, SoundCloud, I don't, we, we actually don't really add any new SoundCloud curators to the platform. There okay. are some older ones who've been on there for a while, but we tend to find that engagement on SoundCloud has really dropped off a cliff. And, and Interesting. Um, we also don't trust Hall for those guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So SoundCloud had this really shady boom when reposting came out of like repost networks and exchanges. And because their API was so open, it was also really easy to fake numbers, bot things, get fake plays going, all that type of stuff, oh, right? Right. And so a lot of people built these payola businesses on top of SoundCloud, where you could you know, pay $15 to get reposted by a bunch of people. And those guys ended up actually becoming all the independent Spotify playlisters. So, oh. <laughs> you, you know, I found that as SoundCloud lost importance and Spotify started to gain importance, all these guys quickly jumped ship, used Spotify's API to boost their numbers through bots, uh, and again, started charging money. Right. And as I've mentioned earlier, like we have a zero tolerance policy around that. Yeah, and, that's great. Um, we're fairly confident that ninety percent plus of the Spotify playlisters on SubmitHub do not accept Payola. So that's great. And we we again, this is part of our policing, but we're we're trying to keep an eye on it as well. Yeah. Um, so 
Spotify curators were the, were the first big sort of transition that Submit Hub made, and this was in early 2018, late 2017. And the only data Spotify really shares around playlists is how many followers they have. They historically haven't shared how many plays a playlist generates or what the engagement looks like. Right. And you could sort of figure that information out two ways. The first way was by looking at the discovered on section for each artist top five discovered on section in the app yeah. used to show you how many listeners they had. Um, and they got rid of that about a month ago. Hmm. The, yep, they don't want anyone to know how many listeners anyone's getting because yeah. I think they're worried that it encourages this bad payola activity. True, yeah. Um, the, the other way you can get that information is from the artist dashboard. So if you are an artist, you can access your information and insights right. and get that information. Um, so Ari wrote in his article about SubmitHub, this was early 2018, he pointed out that the statistics we were showing for each playlist was heavily weighted towards how many followers they had. And because we didn't have any of this other information available to us, it was misleading in some ways. And you would submit to a playlist that had 150,000 followers and you'd end up getting 10 plays. And so you know, we jumped into action in 2018 to try to come up with a solution and we ended up actually doing a combination of the, the two methods that I've discussed, which is looking at this discovered on and the artist insights. Um, and so Spotify quickly became one of the more popular purposes of using SubmitHub, with the logic being that you, you get added to independent playlists and this will help signal to Spotify's algorithms that they should start to include you in some yeah. of their fancy stuff yeah. and maybe the editors will notice and that type of stuff. So... Flash forward to 2020, and Spotify playlists are still quite hot. But what we see from our end is that Spotify is doing everything they can to sort of uh, muzzle them. I don't know, muff- sure. suffocate them, whatever. Sure. They don't want independent playlists on their service. And there's a lot of rumors floating out around there, but ultimately you can just see that in general, it's not something they're totally cool with. And I increasingly am starting to question the utility of sending to Spotify playlisters in the first place. Because mm. it's becoming increasingly difficult to tell who's legit and who isn't, even right. for us, right? We've got probably more experience than anyone in terms of telling who's faking it and who isn't. Yeah, And we've got a pretty good like, bullshit radar, but <laughs> people slip through the cracks, right? They fool us. And what we're seeing a ton of now is playlisters who are getting crazy growth and crazy engagement. And when we call them out on it, they're sending us a whole bunch of data about the advertising campaigns that they're running to boost their playlists. And that's okay, right? Yeah. But it still makes me a little suspicious. It, it sends two signals. One, you don't actually have a genuinely engaged audience. You're paying for it. And what you're doing isn't illegal, but are, are, you, are you pulling my leg? Like, is this actually yeah. how you're growing your playlist? Or are you yeah. just buying bots and then using this as a cover? And sure, that's it's really true. hard for us to tell and as an artist, you don't get any real transparency into who's legit and who isn't. So we're, in a sense, we're custodians to make sure that you are submitting to legitimate Spotify playlisters. But I wouldn't be surprised if in a year or two you actually see that Spotify has basically squashed all of them and said, you know what, they don't matter anymore. Uh, the the corporation is king, and that's a really Spotify good point. Make all the calls. That's a really good point because there are a few of them who are making a living and, and on YouTube as well. And uh, yeah, you're right. I, I, I think that uh, those types of platforms don't like when somebody is more popular than them. 
No, and, and, and they lose a bit of control there, right? And Spotify right. ultimately wants to decide who's in control and who isn't. And I don't think it's just them. It's also pressure from the major labels who are saying, hey, you need to feature our artists or we're going to pull all of our stuff. So right. <laughs> I think there are a lot of forces pushing Spotify in the direction of slowly just eliminating any reach for independent playlisters. And mm. so what we've been doing, I suppose, is hedging our bets here and taking a look at where the industry is heading. And one of those directions is influencers. So this is both Instagram and TikTok. And TikTok's a little bit too young, sure. I would say, in, in this game. So we haven't targeted them. And that's because most distributors, I believe, are still not distributing to TikTok. Um, certainly not okay. by default. I've heard of one or two that are adding it as an extra fee to get your song on TikTok. But the reason we're not doing that is I have a feeling that the majority of songs that get submitted on Submit Hub wouldn't be available on TikTok. And so those curators would walk away feeling like it was a bit of a waste of their time. Yeah, um, okay. So we've been focusing on micro-influencers. So these are Instagram curators who have anywhere between 5,000 and 100,000 followers. And the reason we're doing that is because not too long ago, Facebook made clear that they're going to start paying royalties on the music stickers that get used on Instagram. Hmm. So if you do a story, you can attach a music sticker to it. And if people watch your story and listen to the song, the artist is going to get paid, supposedly. Wow. So our thinking here was that this is actually a really good opportunity because many of these influencers will pull 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 views on a story, which is a lot more than many of these Spotify playlisters are yeah. bringing in. So one and post. Wow. It's, I got to be honest with you, it's a mixed bag so far, right? We're, we're learning as this goes. Yeah. Um, one interesting complication is that Instagram doesn't provide the sticker to everyone. And it's kind of hard to tell who gets a music sticker and who doesn't. Like most people in the States have them, but Canadians don't. I mean, it's, it's yes. like weird rules like that. Right, yeah. Or sometimes it'll say not available in your country. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's still a little bit weird. And, and so what will happen then is you can also share you know, directly from Spotify to Instagram and it gets a beautiful cover artwork and stuff like yeah, that. So that's been great. You can go on Submit Hub and look at the list of blogs, filter by the influencers, and it will show you screenshots of what they've been sharing. So that's kind of how they... That's great. You know, a blog will have to I'm share the link. I'm going to look into that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so again, it's, it's a little bit difficult for us to know right now what the real um, impact of this is. But I think our natural progression is to start adding the ability to contact TikTok users as well. Yeah. Um, and, and this space is also interesting because influencers are used to effectively what we would consider a payola model, which is, hey, I've got a product, I want you to promote it, how much does it cost? Yeah. And we're not cool with that in the music industry, so it's a bit of a shift in, in the mentality for a lot of these guys. Um, but I think, ultimately, I want to try and build a system where we can play towards that economy because... On TikTok especially, when these guys make a video, it is often quite invested. They That's true. put on makeup, do costumes, they edit it, they do all sorts of stuff. And the feedback we've gotten from them is, hey, I know you, know, you guys don't want to do payola and stuff, but I can't help but think about the fact that 
I'm only getting a dollar right. for spending three hours on this video. That's and, a good point. They might do it one and, a week. Right. And meanwhile, yeah. I've got X, Y, and Z offering me money to do stuff. And so I think at some <laughs> point this year, I'd like to build a bit of a marketplace where you can purchase services from these influencers that sort of goes above and beyond the typical share. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. And, and, and the example being TikTok people, right? Where you can basically, you know, pay $30 to get on their TikTok or whatever. It's a video of them dancing to it, doing karaoke to it. But it's, it's going to be tricky to balance the music industry's distaste for payola and mine as well with the fact that influencers are entirely based on payola. Um, yeah. And that's just their revenue model. That's a good so, point. Yeah. It's going to be some mental gymnastics there, but I, I think I've, I've kind of settled already on it. Like that, what you're purchasing from them is not just a share. You're actually purchasing their time, their investment, and, and the stuff they're doing. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's the, a sponsor. The other thing, the other thing in my head here is that you you talk to a lot of these influencers and you you go, okay, well, how much do you normally charge? And they'd be like, well, you know, it's a thousand dollars for a, a story. And you'll go, okay, oh wow, that's a a lot of money. How many of those have you sold? And they're like, well, we almost sold one last year, but anyway, that's the rate. <laughs> yeah. like, okay, well, what if you just told people it was $15 or $20? I bet you yeah. would sell you know, 50 Tons of them of in a month yes. and you would get your $1,000. But Good point. So, well, you know what so I love? So that's sort of the logic. Yeah. That's great. And this is what I love. This is what I said at the beginning. What I love about the platform is how it has evolved. And um, I, I, I think what's great is that you started off with blogs five years ago, and consumer uh, uh, behaviors has evolved to and evolved into Spotify playlists being and third party playlists being more important. And now that's at a stage where that's evolving and possibly going away. And now we're moving into this. And I, I'm almost I'm grateful to you guys for kind of doing that research, planning ahead because a lot of us and labels and in PR and artists. Um, we're just not able to keep up with that. We've, we're finally, after three years, starting to figure out um, how to approach playlisters. And now they're going, <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I think that's what's so great. What I love about the platform is that, you know, kind of doing the work for us and, and keeping up with those trends. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. Playlisters are not out of fashion right now. In fact, it's, it's still sort of the hottest thing. I think we're yes, just trying to look yes, ahead. but looking and, ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing this now for, for 12 years. And, and so I've seen, you know, when I started blogging, SoundCloud didn't exist. And so I've seen sort of the rise and fall of these different ones. And I'm, I'm just trying to make sure that we're, we're right there and ahead of the curve in terms of, of where artists are trying to promote their music. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, this is great. Thanks so much for doing this, Jason. I'm a big fan of Submit Hub, and we're going to do another episode as well to, to kind of follow up on some of the best practices you talked about. But um, I think it's a great platform, um, and uh, you know the, the critiques don't bother me too much. I get over them after a couple of days. But <laughs> thank you, thank you for doing this, and thank you for building the platform. We love it. Cool. My pleasure, Scott. And thank you everyone for listening. Like I said at the beginning, I have a little treat. Um, if you are, if you haven't used Submit Hub, uh, you can sign up at submithub.com and we have some credits. Um, Jason is willing to give uh, three credits to anyone. All you have to do is email. I set up a special email. So send a blank email to submithub at otherrecordlabels.com. That's submit. So S-U-B-M-I-T hub, H-U-B, all one word, at otherrecordlabels.com. 
send a little email in there with like it may be the subject put it like free credits or something uh, and Jason will get back to you um, with uh, three free credits to try out the service um, again this isn't a paid uh, sponsorship or anything I, I really love submit hub it's been very helpful for me it's it's um, there's been a lot of discouraging stuff and we could talk about that a lot of uh, discouraging criticism but that's part of the fun of it um, just you know don't let it don't let it get you uh, don't let it get you down. Don't take it personally. Thanks so much for listening.